Salam and hello everyone. This is Lily. As you know, we're on a break, but today you get to hear from one of my good friends, Mugambi Nthika. Mugambi is actor, director, producer, performer, just so very many things. And he came on the show a couple months ago in an episode called Wakanda Forever Ever. And we talked about the Oscar nominations, what he predicted, what was going to happen. But beyond that, we also talked about the mental health of performers. We talked about the industry and representation and why it matters so much. Since that time, though, Mugambi has just continued to champion creatives. He had a fantastic one-man show, Every Brilliant Thing, in May that sold out. Just a beautiful portrayal of the importance of mental health. Mugambi, we just salute you. We raise our glass. We applaud your courage, your brilliance, your gift to the creative community. He's also hosting a new show on Capital FM called Mindfulness, Music, and More. So check him out. Follow him on IG. Get all of the updates of what Mugambi is into. And until then, please enjoy this episode of Wakanda Forever Ever with our friend Mugambi Nthiga. I want to tell you as a young artist, as a writer, as a filmmaker, as a comedian, as a sculptor, as a painter, as a poet, as a novelist, um, that regardless of what is out there, the fullness and the vastness of what's inside your 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 brain and, and your heart and your psyche and your lived experience and all the agonies and all the ecstasies, those are the things that form you. Seek to be most truthful in what it is that you have to say about the world and you will find that the world will show up truthfully for you as well. And I think that is the biggest award for any artist that puts their work out there. So Mugambi, welcome to Salam and Hello. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you. I'm really glad to be having a conversation with you again. It was always yeah. fun. Good. I'm glad you feel that way because I have a feeling I'm going to be asking you again and again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mugambi, yeah. let's talk the movies. Let's talk movies. Okay. Let's start with something easy. What, what was your favorite movie this year? Oh, that, that is not an easy question uh, <laughs> <laughs> to answer. Um, I mean, I really loved, I think everyone, I mean, the world's favorite right now is everything everywhere all at once. I, I think that was a beautiful, just a triumphant, transcendent film. I've watched it only once. Uh, I'm really saving, I, I now want to watch it like three or four more times. So I'm really saving it for when I'm fully there, fully present, because it's not the kind of film that you watch casually. Not at all. I, I thought it was beautiful. Okay, that's interesting you know it's one of those films where I had heard people saying it was really beautiful so then I was like oh yeah I better watch this thing I watched it I was pretty confused like at first I was drawn <laughs> in I loved the story the family unit and all that then it just kind of blew me away but it is getting all kinds of attention last night yeah. at the Academy Award of nominations I think it picked up the most ever for an Asian kind of centered film really the first time ever. In fact, what I found was fascinating that the woman who plays the lead actress, whose name I apologize, I did not write down. Uh, she, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. She is the first yeah. woman of Asian descent to be nominated in that category who was not, who was like forward facing Asian in the sense that the last woman I think was in 1953, but was not yeah. um, identifying as Asian at the time. She was white yeah, passing. Yeah. 
So I thought that was pretty historic um, that this woman is being recognized for her very long career. Michelle Yeoh has been in many, many films. Um, she so has. Long overdue to be recognized. Um, okay. Yeah. That, yeah. that was your favorite big blockbuster film. T- tell us, Mugami, maybe films that lesser known, any, any smaller films, indie films that you think that we should have known that may have come across your radar you, that you think should have gotten a bit more attention this year? Oh man, now you asked me that question and I go blank. I, I really should have thought about that before this this one. I, I'll I'll admit though, I've been going back to some of the uh um and I think I've been doing this since the pandemic started. I, I haven't been rushing in as quickly uh to watch the new ones uh that come through. I'm really saving those just before just just before the awards. Okay. Uh, so that I can talk about and and really know what the full scope of films was like. So there's one film that I've been going back to over and over again, and that is Parasite. Parasite mm. is like a comfort watch for me. I know it came out in 2019, won Best Picture in 2020, also broke history, uh, made history in that one because it was the first all you know foreign language film uh, that won Best Picture. Um, it also won Best International Feature, which the Academy had just changed in name from uh best what is it best foreign language film that's right it used to be best foreign language film then they switched it in 2020 um to yeah best international feature they haven't changed the rules around it which i think is a little bit redundant because it's still a foreign language film the film has to be over 40 or over 50 percent non-english language and if it isn't uh, then it doesn't qualify. So you could have a film that was shot in South Africa or in Kenya that would be entirely done in English or would be done 30% or 20% in a language other than English and wouldn't qualify simply because it doesn't, it's not a best, it's not a foreign language film, which begs the question if uh, the Academy owns the English language or has dibs on it so much that anything that comes in that doesn't have a language, uh, that's that, that has a language that's English, um, but it's from another country, does not qualify as an international feature. That aside, Parasite is a very good film, and it's the one that I keep going back to. Hmm. I like Parasite yeah. too. That that that's one of those movies that the the twist is definitely worth the hype. You know, it's one of those movies yeah. that definitely was like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. That was worth the watch. But let's let's bring the you said let's that aside, but let's bring the Academy back in, into the fold because let's talk about sure. the award nominations. It was a big year for Afrocentric films. You know, Wakanda Forever came out. I think all of us were waiting for that sequel to come out. We had The Woman King, which was a a kind of a first for Hollywood to have both a female-centered cast doing an action film, and that that female cast was both Black and centered in the African continent. I think that's a first, Mugambi. I can't think of another film that was quite like The Woman King in, 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 in a blockbuster level. So let's talk about the Academy Awards. So the nominations came out yesterday. Woman King was completely snubbed, not a single nomination. Costuming, sound, directing for um, Gina Price Blythewood, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. for um, our lead actress, you know, who we yeah. adore, Viola Davis. A ton of wonderful new actors uh, who were in supporting roles, John Boyega, nothing. So that's one thing. Yeah. Wakanda yeah, Forever, yeah. on the other hand, had a, a several really w- wonderful nods. A second nomination for their costume design. I think a, um, a wonderful nomination for Thames and Rihanna. 
for original yeah. song. Thames is first Nigerian to ever be nominated for an Academy Award in the, that category. Mm. So, listen, I want to ask you so many questions around this, but first, let me ask you: How valuable is an Academy Award nomination to African filmmakers? You know, it's a Western organization based in Hollywood, based in the West. Is it still holding that same, you know, weight for these films and for these filmmakers? I'll start by saying that I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Um, I, I think that uh, the evolution of the conversation around awards shows, particularly those that are based in America, has been very slow. I think we were probably 10 maybe even 20 years behind on the conversation, but it takes a hashtag like Oscar so white and it takes the action of, of actions of people within the system to start drawing attention to the fact that, um, and, and I'll quote Bong Joon-ho, director of Parasite on this, that the Oscars is largely a local award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he said that, we were like, whoa, okay, man, he, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's correct. And we never really saw it that way. And someone who was actually winning all of these awards um, and, and 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 coming from South Korea was like, you know, from the outside in, even if you guys are giving me all this love now, this is still very much a local award ceremony. Now, I'm not saying that they're completely invaluable, uh, valueless. Sure. I'm not saying that they, I, I mean, I was up at four in the morning. I remember it was at exactly six when Lupita won the Oscar and I woke up the people in the house with my chair yes, yes. because I was just so freaking excited. Uh, that mm-hmm. a Kenyan had won uh, 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 an Oscar for, I, I believe it was uh, uh, just in a leading role yeah. for 12, 12 years a slave, and it was for, uh, yeah, um, actress in a in a supporting role, and that that felt really good, and we talked about it when what Water made its way to the Oscars, and we had Kenyans on the red carpet in front of the Staples Center, that made us really excited as well. Um, Kati Kati, uh, Nairobi Half-Life, Supermodo have all been uh, official selections uh, by Kenya for, for the Oscars. In the, and congratulations uh, to you, Mugambi. Thank you. For thank being you very much. a key <laughs> ambassador for us and our stories, truly. Thank no, you. And thank you and very congratulations. Grateful. Thank you so much. Um, I, I, I will say... The, the number of submissions every year has increases. I think at Nairobi Half-Life, we were among 90 plus other films. Now we'd be among probably 100, 110 plus other films. But it still matters that these films are seen on a global audience, a global stage. And one that has still has the glitz, it still has the glamour, it has the media attention, and it still has the... Um, the, the the cloud. Uh, right. If if I called myself Oscar nominated, then my rate card would go up, or I'd be sought a lot more uh, um, outside outside of these borders. So I'm not saying that they are entirely without value. I will say this, and I say this as much for the local industry. Awards can only do so much, and awards are part of a robust scene where there's other things happening. If we're talking about a film industry. Uh, then awards just make up for just a little tiny bit. It's one night in a year when we look back on everything that has been done and set um, and 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 award those before the world and say that this is what good cinema ought to be. Uh, but there is the good cinema behind it. Uh, and 
I, I was disappointed as anyone else that Nope didn't have a stronger showing, uh, that uh, hmm, Woman King right. didn't have a stronger yeah. showing. Yeah, I, I was quite disappointed, but um, but and this is where this is gonna sound controversial, and this is just my own point of view. I did not think that they were amazing. That's sure. just my personal point of view. I thought that they were uh, groundbreaking films. I think that Jordan Peele is one of the most important filmmakers of our time right now. He would, I, I wouldn't compare him to Spike Lee, but he is still taking the baton in terms of using film as an art form to comment on what's going on in the real world. And there's not a single film that doesn't uh, include issues of race and right. uh, the struggles and all the complications around that. And I think film is a really, really good way to address all of those things. And in Nope, um, he even goes back in history and goes back to one of the very first uh, uh, bits of footage that was committed to film. And that was the loop, I think 12 frames long of a black man riding on a horse. So, wow, one of the first people committed to film in the US was a black man on a horse. And then goes all the way to the, I don't know, five generations down the line and talks about them trying to film something just so that they can make a little bit of money. I think it's it's wonderful. It's good. Woman King takes uh, uh, a, a, a tribe of people that were not known, uh, that existed in actual history, and then uh, uh, has a screenwriter come and put the, together this story, has a Black filmmaker uh, uh, do the directing, and then has as its lead uh, all of these beautiful Black women, um, melanin popping, and they are tough, and they are kicking ass left, right, right and center. And I think one of my favorite scenes in the film was not even the fighting. It was the dancing. Yeah, There's beautiful. this one particular scene where they are getting, they are psyching up. And, oh, my God, I've not seen movement like that on cinema at all. I, I wish those shots were longer. Again, that's just my director view. Um, but I wish a lot of these shots were longer. But it's it's important to have these films out there. And I think rather than start you know, having our crosshairs on what is black film at award season, we need to be talking about where there's not enough of this film. Why don't we have a bigger pool? Right. Outside of Wakanda Forever and Woman King and Nope. There needs to be a bigger pool of black cinema from which we can now uh, transfer all the way to the uh, awards. So so I think you've, I want to unpack a few things that you've said. Maybe I'll work sure. backwards from the last thing you said about the pool, because as I was looking, preparing for this interview and looking for the best African films from critics or the best films from the continent that critics were putting forward from 2022, I was yeah. struck by how many of them either I had not heard of and definitely had not seen. So then I was like, yes. okay, great. I've got a great list of movies. Let me start looking. Let me watch them. I started yes. trying to look for them. I could not find a legal way <laughs> to yes. watch them online, right? I couldn't find a link where I could pay and rent it or, or watch it at all for any of them. There was 10 on this one particular list I was looking for. Then, of course, you can go to Netflix and there's curated lists. Netflix has been on a charge to, to, to curate content, content from the continent. So in terms mm -hmm. of this pool of movies, I don't want to take an issue with what you said, but in my mind, there seems to be a significant pool, right? We've got 54 countries on this continent, creatives left, right, and center making content. Maybe it's that the pool is, the, the, the stream is narrow to Hollywood, um, but that the pool actually here is quite large. And so it's maybe what 
those nominations, if I hear you, what you were saying earlier in terms of what it gives in terms of clout, that clout, I imagine, can translate into funding, can translate mm. into better distribution for your next project or even some of your old projects. So yeah. the ecosystem around filmmaking seems rather complex. Yes. So if, if you're looking at just what we have here in Nairobi and just what you can watch here on a Friday night or on a Thursday night yeah. with your friends, our options are limited. Um, yes, and so absolutely. To your point about the pool, is it is limited. Do you see that changing? Do you see a difference between when Lupita won her first Oscar, and I think that's been now several years ago, to mm. now, or when Nairobi Half-Life came out 10 years ago to now, what yeah. that pool looks like. Are you seeing, is it getting better? Are you excited about, you know, the pipeline of stories that we're seeing on the continent? Wow. <laughs> That's a really good question, Lily. Um, I'm excited about the, uh, yes, I am absolutely excited about it. I am, um, the stories are there. The means to tell the stories are there. The will to tell the stories are there and the storytellers are there. All of those are there. You have those, you bring those together. That's 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 everything that you need um, just to get the story done. But you bring up a very, very valid point when you talk about funding and distribution. Um, I cannot tell this story without talking about when uh, uh, Kenya was uh, celebrating what uh, they're calling the great digital migration, where uh, TV, uh, broadcast television was moving entirely online. Uh, it was moving from analog, where you had to have an aerial at the top of your house, to digital, where you needed a set-top box or you had um, uh, 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 like 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 a, a smart TV, and right. then you could or a YouTube connection, you get everything. And we thought at that point that that means that we can make anything, and anything is going to be on air, and everything is going to be seen. But there was no, they were still approaching this with the same budgets and the same mindset that they could get to reach the same people. And this is not the 90s where three stations or two stations could reach masses. Now audiences are so fragmented. There's audiences everywhere, audiences for everything. Now, bringing that home to African filmmaking, audiences here are fragmented as well. We're not a monolith. Uh, so there's the people that like their dramas, the people that like their musicals or their horrors or their magical realism, the people who like their comedies or their romantic comedies. And there is still the need to put money behind these stories. And I'm not just talking about budgets for the filmmaking. Um, I'm talking about the time and the space for the people to expand on these ideas. And once that has been made uh, and the film has been written, then we need the funding for the production post-production, and then after that for good impact producing campaigns that will then enable these films to be seen around the world. I don't have to wait for an NBO film festival, for instance, to watch a film from Nigeria that I loved, that I saw last year called Eimofe. Just a beautiful, beautiful film. I would not have seen it any other way than the NBO film festival. Someone who's writing about African film, a white person in Variety or The Hollywood Reporter knows more about African film than I do because he has more access, because he can travel and he can go to all the festivals. I can't afford to do that. If I don't have a film within the festival circuit, I wouldn't watch an air conditioner, for instance. So I, and, I and think Mugabe, that there's let me a ask you. people to see them. Yeah, go ahead. So, so even, even festivals are limited, right? Because that's yes. 200 people coming by invitation once a year, one-off. So tell me, what's the limit or what's what's the trade-off for a filmmaker who may just want to have their their movie on YouTube or Vimeo? 
what what are you giving up in order to get your film to the public the means the means for that film to to be worth your while hmm. because um, there's because no there's no investment to, yes uh, these 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 uh platforms that you have mentioned now are have very limited i mean i have to go through walls of advertising first of all and the 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 money will have to be split among many levels i'll i'll talk about um nairobi half life for instance the payment for that which isn't that big is paid over the course of 3 years um so it's going to be have to be 3 years quarterly payments that means uh of uh, a uh, 12 payments a small amount split into 12 payments that has to be distributed to the cast and the crew it um if if that money got to me i might go and buy credit maybe i'll buy some airtime <laughs> to be on this call it it's not that much yeah so that's 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 the trade off that's the trade off that um it it won't end up in a cinema it's not going to end up on the distribution channels that hollywood films will uh, end up on it won't make its money back um and so we are at a crossroads where we're like do i want my film seen by lots of people or do i want to make lots of money from it and what i'm saying is that in my dream world both of those things can coexist right. i don't know how yeah but i think that there ought to be a nice middle ground where i get to have my stuff seen and i don't have to wait 10 years uh for nairobi half life to then be on netflix on netflix <laughs> absolutely you know it's it's interesting because i was reading that the woman king far surpassed the the monetary investment that it, uh, it took to make it that it was a surprise and in some ways even though if it got snubbed by the oscars and it was just last night so maybe in 2 weeks time there may be some more criticism of that but they made they made way more money than they thought and that is was very unusual and it was a surprise and so in some ways that is a success right so now maybe when yeah. Gina Prince Blythewood who's a black woman director goes to make her next project there's going to be more willingness to partner with her and invest in her her next story because yeah. she has evidence now that she can make a blockbuster hit maybe not critical success but she can make money at the blockbuster and that Americans at least wanted to see a movie with a all black female cast about the Dahomey kingdom in Benin i mean which is kind of incredible So if we if we Absolutely. take that narrative and we translate it to the continent which is I really do want to focus on Wakanda Forever broke records on the continent it was a, the highest grossing film in Nigeria last year in South Africa in East Africa it was the film that made the most money in all of those all of those places and it so there's still some relevance here right there's still a draw here um as a director and a filmmaker and a writer and an actor person who has seen you know all the levels of what it takes to put a film together and yeah. also understanding the local economy around filmmaking and somebody who has invested in local films and and put out as a representative of Kenya to, to the Oscars several films is there is there is there room for both right now is there room for wakanda forever on our friday shelves as well as you know supermodo as well as kati kati you know when when kati kati for example came out was it competing with these hollywood films at our theaters on the weekends and and how did it do kati kati screened for a total of 2 weeks at the cinema as did uh, my directorial debut lusala now supermodo stayed on there a little bit longer when its oscar run began it came back onto the screens and got seen by a lot of people uh however supermodo was infinitely more popular in europe than it was here it was actually there was a school tour 
that was launched in two countries, I think Sweden and Poland, where hundreds of school children, as part of the official syllabus of their school as an extracurricular activity, got to see uh, Supermodo. It then won the best European film for children because it was co-produced in Germany. Um, Katikati couldn't compete against the biggest films of that time. Um, people would still uh, uh, see a Hollywood film and then see that there was a Kenyan film that they probably didn't hear of, uh, didn't know it was a Kenyan film because it had a Swahili name, but probably would not want to take the risk to spend their, 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 their ticket or concession money on a film that could be good or not um, mm. measured against a Hollywood standard. Now, onto your question as to whether a film like The Woman King would make space for more African film to be seen. Yes, absolutely. I think there's something on the write-up that you sent to me. I can't remember what the wording of that was. And I think it was really beautiful, but it presents like an ideal, borderline mystical version of Africa. That's what both these films do. Um, Wakanda Forever, I think most uh, uh, predominantly, presents this Africa that doesn't exist. It's it's fantasy. It's right. it's a fairy tale. It's a superhero film. And I think there's space for that. And I think it does put the foot in the door for our expression, our dance, our music, our accents, our lingo, our streets, our dressing. All of that is good. That's wonderful. But I think we need to come back, for instance, 10 years from now and see that... Uh, uh, Wakanda Forever inspired all of these homegrown films from Africa to then be seen by people outside of the continent. And most, of course, most importantly, by people within the continent. And I'm talking about millions. Was mm -hmm. it seen in cinemas? Was it seen in social spaces? Was it seen, seen in schools? Did it become part of the, uh, the, the pop culture and the zeitgeist? Did we see gifts uh, from them? Do we see people posting them on their Instagram stories and talking about, I got to watch this film. Are there people who are writing essays and very critically thought and very thoughtful and mindful uh, critiques and essays about it? That is what ought to be happening. I'm not saying that it's not happening now. It's just not at the scale that we should. And I don't think honestly that Hollywood is it when it comes to the African stories there's still going to be a foreign gaze. I think they're doing really well, but I think there needs to be modern day stories here that are on the ground. Yeah, you, you said something really interesting. I think that that, that translation of an uh, indicator of success being, are you a GIF? <laughs> are you part of the pop culture reference? It's really interesting. Maybe that more than the Academy Award shows that you've Absolutely. translated, right? That your, your story has resonated with the, the teenagers in town, with you know the show show of country that, that that it has now become part Absolutely. of the cultural reference of what happened in 2022 oh that was the year that you know we saw you know whatever film it was that came from the content that really resonated with us i think that's a really powerful way to take back actually some of yes. the power from hollywood to say you know this, that we will kind of be our own evidence of of what yes. what success can be you know, it reminds me of what Haile Garima said. His his classic film and extraordinary work, Sankofa, got to Netflix last year, 2021. And he got all this attention. He's an Ethiopian filmmaker who is very well known in the diaspora, very well appreciated, not always lauded where he should be. But when he was given an yeah. award, he said, you know, 
he was given an award by the Academy of Museum of Motion Pictures. And he said, you know, this is an industry that I have no relationship with and no trust in. And similar to the director of Parasite, I think, to say this is a local awards ceremony and how important. And, and, and it kind of, I think, begs another question, Mugambi, is, is, is there a dual pressure then on African filmmakers that you carry both a dual kind of burden of both having to create stories that are beautiful and entertaining, because that's what you are, your storytellers, and you then have this representative role where you have to then kind of carry that story to the culture, to the people. Um, I don't know. Do you ever feel yeah, that as a yeah, filmmaker, yeah. That, that you have to do the most, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I really wish that the responsibility wasn't on the filmmaker to then carry the film. I, I wish that, right. you know, once the film is submitted, and it's completed. And I've done the last thing. We've done the color. We've done the sound. We have put in the credits. And now, congratulations, we have a film. We have um, uh, our premiere. And my work is done. I, I just want my phone pinging, asking me where I'm going to go and speak or where I'm going to go and present about it. Um, I think it's a really important question, Lily. Because film is still seen. And I think we'll get it wrong in Kenya, I'll speak for Kenya, I don't know about the rest of Africa, but I think we'll continue getting it wrong if we look at film and, and measure it the way we do businesses on the stock exchange. That I'm putting say in more, a little bit of more. money. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm putting in a little bit of money and then we make a product and then the product comes out and I want to make more from that product than I put in. We are very far away from that now. Um, and, and I forget... Forget even art. I, if I was to make an invention right now, you know, like a, that, that protected me, an invisible force field that protected me from bullets, but I needed $1 billion uh, to put in. The first question would not be, okay, so let's, how much money can we make if we must produce these for people? No, it would be like, okay, what is the value of this invention that you have made? And how much money can we put around that? I wish more people asked what the value of stories were culturally. For instance, yes, yes. Um, if a film like Lusala that deals with issues of mental illness, what is the value of that aside from the money in terms of the conversation starter that it is to people who would not have that conversation any other way? What is the value of a piece of literature from Wangari Madai that needs to be seen by a lot of people in the face of the degradation of the environment that's going on now and the very visible effects of climate change? Is it still money? No, it's not. There is a lot of other ways that you can measure the cultural or, or the importance of a piece of art and have it seen by people and put the money behind it so that as many people can see it as possible and as many conversations can start. If my work was seen as being uh, culturally relevant so much that let's put all the money and then let's start programs where these films can be seen, then I would have more like yesterday having a, a cab driver after he dropped me off uh, uh, at Unseen, Nairobi, turning behind and seeing, are you the guy from Nairobi Half-Life? And I'm like, yeah, and thank you so much, man. And he says, that film was amazing. And that film showed us in a way that I'd never seen before. There's a taxi driver telling me. I've had a, a, a street boy who was asking for money at the car window. And I told him, man, I don't have anything. Go away and then come back and say, you're the guy from Nairobi Half-Life, right? And I'm like, how did you watch that? And he said, I watched it at my auntie's place. Every so often on the streets get hard, get too difficult. I can go there. And she has films and I watch them there. Um, I received pictures of people, um, uh, mothers, uh, fr friends, friends of mine whose sons and daughters 
were tying shukas like lessos around their neck and running around like superheroes after seeing supermoto you can't put a price on that you, you you can't that's not how it works so i think people really need to be looking at what other value that art and film and art of all shapes and sizes has and contributes to the society other than money otherwise we're still getting it wrong Oh, the, this, I, if I was in a theater, I'd be giving you a standing ovation at this point. Uh, you, <laughs> you're touching on something that Thank Becky, you. Becky, one of my producers and I have, have talked about, about the, the need for a national endowment for the arts or something yes. in the continent that can just support art for art's sake to empower Absolutely. both new voices, un- marginalized voices, and the voices that have been there for a long time, just trying to get their voices out and art for art's sake. Absolutely, Mugambi, just... Yes, bravo, amen. Yes, I just can't. I, there's nothing to add to what you said except that you're absolutely right. Um, you know, talking you. about you know the 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 pipeline and just this this art for art's sake. You said something earlier about the white gaze, and and I want to come back to that. Um, okay. I'm, I hope I don't make you too uncomfortable because I know you know and have friends who are producing and making movies and and TV products everywhere. I know you're more of a movie yeah. guy. But, you know, we've seen this uptick, especially around Netflix. Um, there's this real call for international content. So not just not just Africa, but around the world. You're seeing, you know, all kinds of content coming from literally everywhere. And on the one hand, it's tr- tremendously exciting. You're seeing, I'm seeing films I would never have seen otherwise, right? To, just to, to yeah. our earlier point of, of being able to actually see movies from Nigeria or Korea or, you know, anywhere across the world. And at the mm. same time, there is something about the white gaze that seems to seep in at times. And you wonder kind of what gets green lighted, what gets there. There's been some recent films, I won't name all of them, that I've seen that have come from our <laughs> beloved Kenya that I've just been like, how now? How now? Is this, this is really, you know, I'm, and, and on the one hand, I'm recognizing oh. places and I'm like, oh, I've been there. It's so cool to see, you know, places you've been on the big screen. But you're just thinking, my what? guy, like, <laughs> why is this? How did this one get on Netflix? In this critical space of both needing to get your film seen so you can do the next project, and um, and maybe it is you do this one project so you can do the the passion project that you have that is around these really deep issues. Or otherwise, how do you balance that? The the the, the Netflix is uh, calling and they need content. Yeah, and you can put it out yeah. there. And I know you've had to do both commercial work to pay the bills and then yeah. you, then you yes. have these beautiful projects like Supermodo. So where's that nexus yeah. for you? And, and how do you make some of those calls? Maybe you can speak more from the personal rather than the theoretical. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to speak about it from the personal because I, I, I'm i not sure I can speak for the entire industry, which is a good thing, which is a really Absolutely. good thing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I can't speak it. I can't speak for the affiliate productions uh, who will put out click, click, bang, bang and distribute it entirely online on their own terms and not have to go through a Netflix and still make their money back. Hmm. I, I can't speak for them. I can just say that, oh, right. that worked for them. Uh, but in 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 terms of of of, of what you're saying, I, I think it's completely what you have said is absolutely correct. Let's look at uh, more established, uh, more let's let's look at an industry that has existed for a hundred years. I, I think uh at the time Parasite came out, uh, cinema had been alive in South Korea for a hundred years, a whole century of wow. filmmaking tradition. 
we don't we're not even 100 years old as a country as a republic as a democracy that is free from colonialism um i i think what um um allow me to use a sheng a sheng phrase here i think we'll have omokad uh, we'll have really reached our full um uh, our potential as as a film industry if all bits of work are welcome so there's a space there's the space for the more Hollywood glitzy that has that you know that's that sheen and everyone drives a Mercedes and they speak in phrases that I have never spoken of in my life and and they're dealing with problems that like I have no idea what that feels like um and then there's a space for uh a small independent uh film uh like one uh, called Juakali that premiered at uh, yes. IFFR last year that followed um uh, uh, a domestic worker as she worked in various homes around Nairobi, there is a space for the, both of those to, to exist. And I think they already exist. I think we will have reached a zenith as a viewing culture, not just for Kenya, um, uh, but for Africa as well, if there is equal space for all of these pieces of work to be seen. And the person that is looking for the indie feature, the art house feature that breaks genres and blends things and 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 shows Africa in a way that we've never seen before can coexist with a disconnect too. I, I, I think it's fine. All of these films are welcome. They are fulfilling the work that they need to do. But as long as, and I'll go back to the previous thing, it still comes down to a money game and to bring it even home, it comes down to an algorithm game. Then we who can't tickle the algorithm as well as other people can will not be seen and that is an even playing ground unfortunately about two or three years ago i decided it was actually when ava duvernay's netflix series came out um, when they see us when yeah, that series yeah, came out yeah. i watched the first episode and i could not watch yeah. anymore um, it's about, I, the, about the exonerated five. And I was like, I am not yeah. going to watch any more Black people being victimized. This is not mm, entertainment mm. to me. You know, I, I watch mm. movies. I go to the movies to be lifted, to be entertained, to be challenged, to be engaged, to be made to think. But I am tired of seeing us as Black people victimized. And I remember Lupita got a lot of criticism as well, right? Even though she won the Oscar, that it was for a role in which she was brutalized. Um, Denzel Washington, similarly, when he won his first Oscar, it was for a role mm -hmm. in which he played a very seedy, rough character. And But he was snubbed when he played Malcolm X, which was an extraordinary right. performance. I mean, Mugambi. Absolutely. It was one of my favorites. What I mean, just for the for the till the end of time will be just one of the yeah. most brilliant performances to ever grace a stage. And, and, the, and the Academy, I don't think, was ready for Malcolm X or his performance at that time. Mm -hmm. So when they were mm -hmm. ready, they gave him the nomination. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't really have a question in here for you. I'm just yeah. commiserating with yeah. you over this idea of, of the complexity and the diversity of where we find ourselves. Um, you know, it's, it's, you, mm -hmm. can't, you can't win at some times with, uh, with us, you know, and, and this is where we were saying a moment ago, black filmmakers, African filmmakers often have so much responsibility on their shoulders. And at the end yeah. of the day, they should just be allowed to be a storyteller. Um, absolutely and just do their work absolutely yeah and I do yeah. think people like Jordan Peele Jordan Peele seems to be one of those artists who maybe because he's in a genre of like horror slash comedy which is an interesting genre he seems to be yeah. able to do it in a way that finds levity in it I don't know he's an interesting 
Guys. Absolutely. And and if you talk about Jordan Peele, let's also look at the work that he did on Key and Peele. Yes, yes. Can Always he, controversial. Yeah. Yes, but it was thought-provoking. It made you laugh, but it made you think. Absolutely. And, and this one person is able to exist as this sketch comedy artist and also this very groundbreaking filmmaker who's able to uh, take these genres and bend them this way and that. that That's it. That's right. right? That, that's really? that's us making it. Yes, that's yes, us it, is. it. Big yes on, it is. Big on YouTube. Big on YouTube. And he has, you know, hundreds of millions of views on YouTube for people that might never go into a cinema to watch Nope. Absolutely. And then there's people who will watch Nope who don't really care much for uh, uh, two church women cursing out Satan um, in, in all of these bombastic terms on YouTube. Right. And, and that's it right there. The diversity from one end to another, all of this work matters. I think when we talk about Black work, we talk about Black lives matter. I think that's a very, very important conversation. Let's talk about all the other things that are Black that matter. Black expression matters in all its various shades and all its various colors. And there needs to be the space, the headspace. Before we start putting in funding, before we start putting in distribution channels that uh, put African work front and center from all over the continent, it's going to take so many barriers being broken in our minds first. And not just for the people making the decisions, even for the people who are viewing the work. It's going to take barriers for the cinema people here to start saying, you know what, Katikati didn't do too well in its two weeks. Let's give it six weeks just so that it can gain that Absolutely. resonance because it doesn't have the capacity to be a Marvel movie in terms of the marketing. Um, so why don't we give it time for people to come in and see what it's about and then have the conversation outside of just putting bums on seats. What about, this is an important piece of work that needs to be seen by more people. Let's run the trailers a little bit more. Let's get outside of the way that we think film needs to be distributed. Let's get outside what the profit-making model for film ought to be and then have it be about the important uh, work of representation. That's where the big work is. Film is just the vehicle for representation. Film is just forming the basis for this conversation that we're having now. Absolutely. But the bigger thing here is representation and what or whose story or work or uh, presence matters most. Absolutely. You know, there was, yeah. um, I, I work a little bit with journalists as well, and it, it's it's amazing how journalism as a field has catapulted policy and government to be changed. It can catapult movements, you know, a headline yes. can completely upend, right? It can create a political movement. And, and film has that same power, you know, it has the power to catapult conversations. It looks different. It's going to feel different. But making people think, making people feel represented, making people feel seen, I mean, all of these things. I, I think as a young child growing up in the diaspora, you, I'm looking right now actually at my movie collection. We have every single film put out about Ethiopia, whether it's a documentary or Haile Gebrselassie's film about his running. We have every film right. put out by an Ethiopian because it was like it was us on a screen. So my parents moved heaven and earth to find it, you know, and, and at that time you had to like mail order it. You had to like write a letter, send a paper check in the mail to whatever the distributor was, <laughs> wherever they were in Europe or wherever to find the film. But we were like, wherever we are, we're going to own it because it, it really was important. It's really powerful. And so you're, you're absolutely That's right. Beautiful. And, I, and I hope in our lifetime we will see our, our children 
being able to quickly and easily access. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing the, the trend moving towards that. And as we wrap this up, Mugambi, a question Beautiful. I did not prep you for, but I would love to hear from you is, is what, what advice are you giving young storytellers and directors and writers who are coming up in this space? How are you advising them as they start to navigate this space? <laughs> you have found me at an interesting place uh, with that question because I, I, I've really gone back to scratch, just back to the beginning, almost erasing everything that's happened before. Uh, it's good. I'm, I'm I'm really glad about the success so far, but I feel like I'm back at the beginning, like, you know, mm. just a novice filmmaker all over again, which isn't entirely a bad thing. And I guess I'll only speak from that truthful position. I'll, I'll speak to the young people from what's in front of my face right now. Uh, each film has a shelf life of one year, one good year. Um, it'll come out, it'll get seen probably at home, and then it'll play, if it's lucky, the festival route and get seen by, if it's lucky, a, a few hundred thousand people. And then it might get consigned to a streaming service where it becomes a, a fish in an ocean of many, many other fish. And and that's that's the truth. That's the truth of it. Yeah. Um, in 2020, we were all sitting at home wondering what is the work for if one global pandemic can mean that I'm not going to work again and it doesn't look like I'll be getting work again for several days or weeks or months or even years because we didn't know what wave was going from that point on. The reality of, uh, of being a filmmaker, or being an artist is that you have to go back to start. And the conversations about your work are never going to be held in a space where it's just about the work. It's going to be about the money. It's going to be about the politics. It's going to be about what's going on outside of the cinema hall as your, as your film is being screened. It still comes down to the emotions, whatever it is that's on the top of people's minds at that point. Art is an extremely subjective medium for which if you're not careful, you might get caught up in those waves and you might think that the waves are what is important. I want to tell you as a young artist, as a writer, as a filmmaker, as a comedian, as a sculptor, as a painter, as a poet, as a novelist, um, that regardless of what is out there, the fullness and the vastness of what's inside your, your, your brain and, and your heart and your psyche and your lived experience and all the agonies and all the ecstasies, those are the things that form you. Seek to be most truthful in what it is that you have to say about the world and you will find that the world will show up truthfully for you as well. And I think that is the biggest award for any artist that puts their work out there. Mm, I'm going to take that to heart myself. Thank you for that, Mugambi. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm saying that to myself as much as to anyone else. Isn't that the truth? You have to encourage yourself in the Lord, as the scripture says. <laughs> encourage yourself every day. So Absolutely. before I close, I, I always ask my guests two questions just because I'm curious like that. So my first <laughs> spontaneous question as I close is, is what's your favorite drink, Mugambi? What's my favorite drink at the moment? Uh, well, coffee. Coffee is still my <laughs> out and out favorite. <laughs> Um, Should I, I ask you what kind of coffee? Should I ask what kind? Because you know, there's uh, Ethiopian, there's Kenyan, there's Tanzanian, there's Rwandan. So, so, so this, it, it's actually a mix of Ethiopian and Kenyan. 
Okay, I, I took two a packets. blend. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a blend, but I, I blended them myself because the Ethiopian, it, it, it still kicks my taste buds in the butt. Like, like I, I'm still, it's still a little bit, a lot. Like, like we do so on I the marathon. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's last to take it, I have to take it down a bit. Um, so that's 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 what I'm drinking now. Okay. Uh, but as far as cocktails go, I, I love a Negroni. It's a very okay. bitter drink. It also kicks your taste buds in the butt but I, I really like it yeah so okay. that's what i'm enjoying so you yeah. you stay with the black is beautiful kind of drinks i like it i like it okay. yes and yes. then the last yes. thing you know salam and hello we, we try and focus on joy and justice here so tell me what's bringing you joy the sun golden hour that mm. that uh that that time between about uh uh 5 p.m and 6 30 uh where the sun is low on the horizon and everything is thrown in gold and taking a very silent walk, uh, whether it's with uh, my dog or uh, recently because I've been at my uh, parents' house with my dad. Just those quiet, quiet, quiet moments in the sun um, and, 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 and it being 7 p.m. and still having light outside. That is giving me more joy than you'd ever imagine. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Mugambi, yeah. thank you for who you are. Thank you for your work, your stories. You know, you're just every time I talk with you, I feel lifted. So thank you. Oh. I, I look forward to many more conversations and stories from Me you too. in the future. I, I, the work you're doing is so important. I think you're an amazing individual. From the first time I heard you speaking uh, in public during Datasphere, thank you so much for the work that oh. you do. Thank you for being so generous with your journey and for asking all the difficult questions. The mm -hmm. questions that you ask me have me have me being so introspective. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes courage to be as introspective as you are and to ask all mm -hmm. these questions. So thank you so much for the work that you do.